0: But lovely to see you all here today, guys, um, and uh, as I said earlier, a happy Father's Day to you all. Um, it's uh, it's a, a wonderful day um, here, and it's a little bit colder than it has been. I don't know about you, but uh, I've, uh, I've been suffering a little bit. Less hay fever today, though. That's the promising bit. Um, of it all. Um, We will dive straight into scripture, if that's okay with you, um, because um, we are going to look at Luke 15, verse 11 onwards, uh, which is the parable of the prodigal son, or, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterwards, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry because there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. And the father hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing even to eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house, and I'll say to him, father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son sent off home. From a home. From a long distance, He's. Father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Now, the older son was out working in the field, and when his brother returned, he approached the house, and he heard the music of celebration and dancing. He called over one of the servants and said, What's going on? The servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate, so his father came out and pleaded with him. Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen. How many years have I worked like a slave for you, performing every duty that you've asked as a faithful son? I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you been, have even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends as this son of yours is doing now. Look at him, he comes back, having wasted your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to rejoice and celebrate like this because your brother was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Alright, so a lot of scripture there, but let's unpack a little bit and dive into what we're doing. Today, we're looking at the Father heart of God. If you've been um, looking at your social media, then you'll know already. But obviously, it, it stands to reason, it's Father's Day, so it should, a little bit. But it's important, it's an important topic, it's a very important, because the more we know God's heart, the more we experience God's heart for us, the more we sense God's heart, the more our lives are changed, the more our hearts are realigned with God's heart. Does that make sense? Yeah? it's, It's a huge, huge thing. What's on God's heart, what his passion is, what his desire is, is the truly important things of life. We can sometimes get distracted with the things that are not so important. But what's important to God are the real things. They're the things to be bothered about. And as we sense his heart, we are inwardly transformed. As we sense his heart, then we get more and more on track with our own true purpose. Okay? So that's why, well, one of the reasons why. I mean, the more, apart from it's good to know God and it's good to know who he is, then it's an inward transformation that we can look for the more we do so. So this parable is often referred to as the prodigal son or the lost son, the parable of the lost son. Uh, Some people, however, have referred to it as the parable of the two lost sons, interestingly. Shocking or not? Depends on how you look at it. Mainly because both sons didn't have a great relationship with their father. Um, If you have a look at it, um, certainly at the start of the story, you you can see this. It's really obvious with the younger brother or the younger son because uh, he he runs away from home. Um, But it becomes quite obvious with the older brother as well towards the end. And what I want to do really with this is examine the father's reactions and emotions to both sons. And we'll just have a look at um, unpacking that in that way. If we hit verse 20, and I don't know if you can keep up with that, Emmanuel. It's a lot of PowerPoints. But on verse 20, we hit this bit where it says, The father saw his son from a long way off, from a great distance. And it gives the image of a father who never stops looking for his son every single day. He's looking out for him. Every single day, he's looking out. Because he doesn't say he meets him at his house. It doesn't say he meets him in the village. He says he sees him from a long distance coming. So he's going and looking. And he's looking and he's looking every single moment that he can to see his son. He never, ever, ever stopped seeking. He never stopped waiting. He never stopped hoping for his son's return. Grab that from his emotion. Grab that from that. Because he's always waiting for that return. He's always waiting and hoping that today will be the day that his son comes home. And he keeps on going and he keeps on going until finally he gets what he's been waiting for. His love for his son kept him persevering every single moment of the day. And when he finally returns, get this, it's the father that does the running. It's not the son that does the running. It's the father that runs towards the son, carried by an overwhelming wave of love, as we were singing just before, a a wave of love, a wave of joy, a wave of relief towards his son. He's the one that goes running towards him. Now, it's really interesting to note that in that culture, in that day, um, an older gentleman would never, ever, ever be seen as running around in society. It was really, really bad. To do, yeah. So one of the really bad things to, to be seen, I mean, these days you're supposed to go for a run, I get that. But in those days, it wasn't seen as a good thing to do. It was not very honorable for an older man to be going running around. It would have been quite humiliating for him in, in many respects. So to override such a humiliation due to the overwhelming love in his heart towards his son is a huge statement that Jesus is making in this parable. The father embraces the son. He kisses the son before, before the son even gets to say sorry, which is interesting in itself. He pours out his love on his son, and then you get the forgiveness. Now, it, obviously, he was coming back to say sorry, but the, the father is so delighted, so happy about this, so overjoyed that he's the one that's doing all the initiation. He's doing everything. To get his son back. He's so happy he invites him into a feast. He invites him into a party. This is the big deal now. And this is interesting because a feast, if you have a feast with the Father or with Jesus in the Bible, is symbolic of the closest place of fellowship, of a close place of prayer. You got that? So he's basically saying, come in to the closest place of fellowship you can have with me now. Come in now. Come in because that's what I want. And the younger son, he accepts the father's invite. He accepts the father's grace. He accepts the father's forgiveness. He accepts the father's reinstatement. He accepts all of those things. And he enters into the closest fellowship he can have while he parties and celebrates with him. That's, a, that's, what, the, that's what the father wants all the way through. And that's how he enters into it by accepting his grace, by accepting his free gift of forgiveness. I think we can start to see a bit of the gospel in here somewhere, yeah? He's coming into relationship with the Father for free. He's coming in, and it's the sacrifice of the goat, the bull, whatever it is in whatever version of the Bible that comes out at the feast as well. I'll let you work it all out for yourself, but you get the point. So as we go through this, it's very, very exciting. And often I think we can think that this parable is just for people who have been really, really bad. Yeah? You can, this is where you can respond. I should give you little buttons to press. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it looks that way, yeah? So it, it can look like people, you know, oh, this is for people who have fallen away and backslidden tremendously badly. Okay? They've wandered away and done some heinous crimes. Yes? Yeah? It's not for me. This, this is for these. These people like this. He said, tell me how good God is, and it's for these bad people. All right? But this parable is for all of us. Because we've all wandered away, even a little bit at times, haven't we? Yeah? We've all wandered away a bit. We've all got our priorities mixed up from time to time. We've all allowed different things to come in. Our hearts sometimes do grow a little cold, don't they? Our hearts do get closed off sometimes. Other things do become a little bit more important sometimes... Every single one of us has wandered a little bit at times. Even if you've not been off and spending your father's inheritance in reckless living, whatever that actually looks like. Okay? We've all wandered a bit. It's for every single one of us. Every single one of us is the younger son in this story. And that's a massive part of the parable of the lost son or sons. And it's interesting there. We can do this without realizing. But I think there's a lot to learn from the older brother as well. A lot. Because I don't think Jesus would have chucked him in. Now, it was in context at the time because Pharisees were listening to him. And I think he was trying to make a little contrast between you people who think you're great and these people are tax collectors and sinners and we're talking to both of them at the same time. You don't like it. But if we just bring it into our modern-day world. I mean, just look at the older brother. He's a hard worker. Yeah? That's what it says. His behavior is faultless. Pretty good. He's always obedient. Goody two-shoes, this guy. I mean, he's really good, isn't he? Yeah? I mean, when you look at it, when you look at it on the surface, this older brother is absolutely wonderful. But when he's invited into the feast, when he's invited into the place of closest fellowship, he refuses, point blank. And in the culture, that was the ultimate insult you could give, to refuse your father's invite to a feast. You would not do that, ever. And he refuses. He refuses to go in. Now, we could get all interesting with that, but let's just go on to the father's heart at this point. What does he do? Does he go, oh, well, I'll stuffy then. I'm not bothered. No, he doesn't say that. He begs him to come in. He's still not giving up on this guy, okay? He knew where they were both at, but he's looking at me saying, that's his passion. Please don't close off to me. Please don't refuse me. I beg you. I enjoy being with you. Enjoy being with me. Yes. Is this our God? Yep. He enjoys being with the younger brother and the older brother. Both of them are equally invited. Both of them are wanting, or he wants to be with both of them, regardless of their behavior. And so I think in many respects, the older brother represents somebody who externally is behaving fine, but on the inside, the heart's grown a little cold. On the inside, they've grown distant from God. It's very easy to go to church and just go through the motions, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to go, oh, it's this song again. Yeah, I'll raise my hands. Or whatever it is you do, it's very easy to keep coming in and doing the same thing. But on the inside, it's not meaning what it used to mean. And it's the heart that God looks for. It's the heart every single time that God's interested in. It's very easy on the outside to look like we've got it all together. There is a certain church behavior that we come in with, and you know what it is, and you know what I'm talking about. You come in on a Sunday morning, and as long as you don't swear, you're not drunk, and whatever else, you, there's a list of them somewhere. Yes, then you look all right. People go, yeah, I think you've got it together. You've combed your hair this morning. That's good. You look like you've had a wash. You look like you're a, a semi-decent, and people gave me a filthy look when I wasn't. But, you know, obviously, I'm smartened up now a little bit. But there's a look, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a behavior. There's a church acceptable behavior. And as long as you rubber stamp that, you're doing great. You really are. But no one knows what's going on on the inside. No one knows where your heart is apart from God. God is looking for our hearts above and beyond absolutely everything else. So it's interesting when we look at the older brother because he's saying in this, I'm slaving away, and I'm not getting what I deserve. You ever felt like that? That's basically what what he said. That's the attitude. The older brother doesn't realize how valued he is. He doesn't realize how loved he is. He doesn't realize how important he is to the father. If he did, he would have enjoyed the fullness of the father's love every single day he was in the house. Because in the text, it says... Everything I have is yours. He could have enjoyed it any day. He would have wanted to. He just didn't because he thought he had to be earning, always earning God's approval, earning the Father's approval. And he didn't realize the Father was already delighted in him. And that was the difference between the two. Exactly the same imagery is in Luke 14, verse 16, just a chapter before, interestingly, where Jesus gives this parable. A man invited many to join him in a great feast. When the day for the feast arrived, the host instructed his servant to to notify all the invited guests and tell them, come for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they all made excuses. One said, I can't come. I just bought some property and I have to go and look at it. Another said, please accept my regrets, for I've just purchased five teams of oxen, and I need to make sure that they can plough. I've just bought a brand new car. I can't do it now. Another one said, I can't because I've just got married. Three absolutely useless excuses, aren't they? I mean, come on. Yeah. Here we go. There's a great feast. You're invited. And it's going cold right now. Oh, well, I'd love to, but I've just bought some oxen. Oh, I've got to go first here. How many times, how many times does this happen? Where we think, shall I spend some time with God? Oh, do you know what? Something's on the telly. I'll just watch that. And I'll get around to spending time with Jesus soon. But right now, the great sewing bee's on. Is it the great and I'm not having a go at you. <laughs> Whatever it is, whatever it is, I'll just watch this first. I'll just do this first. And, and it's, the excuses can be interesting, can't they, that we make? And we don't even realise we're doing it, yeah? I'm, I'm sure you're not saying I've just got married many times, but you get the point, yeah? <laughs> can't be doing that that many times in your life. But the, the point is, excuses come in very, very easily, and, they, and this is what's happening. But God's wonderful message is this. Everybody is invited. Everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how far you've fallen back, it doesn't matter how bad you've been, it doesn't matter how what you've done, everyone is invited into close connection, everyone is invited into close friendship with the Father. No longer are there any barriers at all. No matter how bad we may feel we've been, the Father passionately desires intimate relationship, intimately desires The closeness of us. More than anything, he passionately desires intimate relationship and devoted hearts to him so much that he's given the ultimate sacrifice. And we we talked about that when we did communion. Yeah, he's given the ultimate sacrifice, his son to die, that we may know him, that we may experience him. And that's amazing. So let's not be of those who make excuses. Let's not be of those that... Don't really understand, shall we say, what is being given to us. The treasure of what has been given to us. The treasure of what God is offering when He says, You're invited. Enjoy what I've got for you. And, and that's really it. It's the passion. The Father is passionate for open and devoted hearts to Him. That's His main thing. That's what he wants. He wants our hearts more than anything else. In Proverbs, it says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Jesus says, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So everything we speak and everything we do comes from the overflow of where our heart is. This could be the worst preach you've ever heard. These words could be really, really bad right now. I don't know what you're thinking right now. But if my heart's in the right place with God, If I'm enjoying him, if I'm dwelling in him, if I'm abiding in him, you're still receiving right now. You're still being imparted to right now. Even if you're getting nothing up here with what's being spoken. As long as I'm making sure I'm rooted in Christ, rooted in his love, enjoying the Father's love, then you guys are still enjoying the overflow of my heart. And that's a good deal, isn't it? As long as I'm doing that, that's a good deal. Yeah. So that's the ultimate. So, I mean, we could apply that all the way out to mission and to to personal evangelism. You can get the words wrong. You can mess them up all over the place, really. If we're struggling sometimes with the words, we can get the words wrong. It's easily done. But if we're abiding in him, if we're drawing on his love, if we're enjoying his invitation to close relationship, Then, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speak. And I'll tell you this right now that what will happen is, as long as our hearts are open and devoted to God, we will always impart grace and truth to those that hear. I'm going to say that again. As long as our hearts are open and devoted to God, we will always impart grace and truth to those that listen. All right? We can sometimes get bogged down with getting the formula right. The best evangelist in the world, if he's not acting out of love, it won't work properly. Yes? You can't have a formula for it. But connected to God, when it's flowing out of God, then after that, it's all down to God. It's God that saves people. Isn't it? Yeah. It's God that gives the faith. It's God that imparts that. We just make ourselves available and then how you can mess it up as much as you want but God's the one that manages to make miracles out of these things so that's good okay um, a great line a great line in the very first one we did in Luke 15 I read and I come back to this a lot is the father saw him a long way off I started talking about this and I'm going to finish off with this the father saw him a long way off and he ran God meets us exactly where we are. Yeah? Yeah? God ran to him. God met him where he was, at that place. And that there, if you're going to take anything out of this, is that. This week, I had a not-so-nice revelation that I wasn't happy with my prayer life. It wasn't where it used to be. Do you ever get that? Did you ever think, oh God, man, I, I, I used to be better than this. I'm sure it used to be. This. <laughs> it used to be better than this, and, and I was bothered by it. I really was bothered by it. I was like, oh, God, I used to be praying more than this. I'm sure I did. I used to be enjoying this more than this. Um, I hadn't got around to doing the preach by this point, actually, interestingly, but um, but I struggled because this is what I do. This is exactly how I live my life. I have this thing of, I'm not quite good enough as a Christian in this area here. So God's going, you know what, you know, actually your, devotion, your, your devotional life, it, it could be bad as a Christian. Let's, let's, you know, let's get it, crank it up. You've slid them a little bit there. Um, let it slip. So I try. Do you do this? Right. Okay. Yes. Let's, let's try harder then. Let's pray. Let's do this thing. And then within like minutes, I'm like uh, thinking about something else. It's gone again. So i try again, it's gone again. And and we go through this stupid dance, me and God, every so often, where I try really hard, and then nothing happens. I try really hard. And then finally I went, this is ridiculous. God, forgive me for this. Please, I pray, meet me where I am and reignite my soul for you. Amen. That was it. That was my prayer, basically. Just forgive me, meet me where I am, reignite my soul. And I tell you, at that particular moment as I prayed, I sensed his grace, I sensed his presence flood me again. And rather than struggling and striving to get back to where I thought I needed to be, God met me exactly where I was and God imparted into me exactly what I needed. And that's our God. He meets us where we are All he requires is our honesty. All he requires is our, you know what, yeah, forgive me, I really shouldn't have or I should have or whatever the situation, I've let this slip and I want to make that right again with you. Whatever we've let slip, we can make right again just by being honest, can't we? Yeah? Okay. So the Father runs to us. The Father runs to us and reinstates anything that we've let slip. He is our power. He is our inspiration. It's not down to us to keep on trying to get ourselves in the zone. Our role is to accept his invitation, and that is it. Our role is to say, yes, Father, I'm coming in. I want to enjoy what you've got for me. So, on a more application level, consider what you may have let slip or what you feel that. Jesus is leading you into right now in your relationship or your walk with him. Where is it you want to go next? Where is it in your relationship? Where is it in your devotional life? Where is it in your walk with him? What is it that you think you want to get back to and you want to see restored or where you want to progress to next? And let the Father meet you where you are because it's not down to you to try to get there. It's down to you to say to God, I invite you into, I'm, I, I'll come to let you actually, i let you in and take me forward. Let his power inspire us and empower us back on course and further on with him, okay? So on this Father's Day, as we conclude, and that might be a little heads up for the band, <laughs> on this Father's Day, uh, know that our Heavenly Father is proud of every single one of us. I'm going to say that again. Our Father is proud and delights over every single one of us. Please know that. Everyone is invited into rich, soul-satisfying relationship with him. He desires from us open and devoted hearts.